In this episode of the podcast, I sit down with Devo Tyndall. We talk about specialization and storytelling in photography. This is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, a little treat for you guys. On, on the podcast and in our little community and online, etc., even in person, one central theme has been flowing through conversations lately, and it's it's storytelling or the lack of storytelling in a lot of cases in photography today. So uh, Devil Tyndall is, we're going to dive into your background, but you and I are going to have a conversation and I'm going to pick your brain for free because you are a paid speaker and a consultant. You do all the things, but usually for, you know, double comma numbers. So I get to pick your, your brain on this stuff for this. So I want to dive in. Before we dive into storytelling and all that stuff, let's just dive into your background a little bit, Devo. Where, tell me about fusion photography. How did you get to where you are now? Your bio is is ridiculously impressive. And you're, I mean, I'm looking at you now, you still seem fairly young. How did you get to where you are so quickly? Um, thank you. First of all, you have an amazing podcast voice. It's perfect. And the, the name, you got the name that goes with it. It just kind of rolls out. So I really thank appreciate you. it. I love it, man. <laughs> and thank you for having me on the show. Um, sure. And for the compliment on my age, I really appreciate that. I've been told that I look a little bit younger than I actually am. So I'm not going to tell you how old I really am. There but, you go. Um, yeah. How did I get, how did I get to where I am today? So I, I did the corporate route like uh, everybody else did, I think, or a large majority of the population does. I didn't really have any mentors growing up. Uh, I didn't have any, I didn't do any apprenticeship and my parents were um, rather terse around educating us on anything. So mm -hmm. I was just told, go to college, get your degree, graduate, get a job, buy your house, white picket fence, marry, have two kids, two and a half dogs, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, and I, I sort of bought into that. Um, I didn't know at the time I had, I've actually been taking photos since I was 12 years old. Hmm. But I never realized that it was something I could make a profession out of. It was just sort of a hobby for me. I just love taking photographs. And, and it, it wasn't until 2003 when I got married that I realized that I could actually, I was actually pretty good at what I did in that space. And so I started kind of looking for ways to get out of my corporate gig and take, take on photography as my full-time profession. Um, but anyhow, back to that, I went to college, got my job, made a lot of money doing what I did. And I've learned a boatload of lessons from that time. Um, part of running my business today came from the experience I had working in the corporate world, being surrounded by that environment. But uh, I was just passionate about everything. I just, it was a nine to five, you know, time to make the donuts. There was a commercial that ran, I don't know how old you are, but back in the days, so it was like a Dunkin' Donuts commercial and the dude would like drudgingly get get out of bed and oh yeah i remember that the donuts and that's how it was for me every single morning going into work nine to five taking the, the commute in and you know i'm from san diego so it's like a 10 minute 10 mile drive took me an hour and a half to get there so i'd have to wake up an hour and a half early go to the gym just so i didn't have to sit in traffic and you know after doing that for 15 years um i just started realizing that there's no way that i'm going to live the rest of my life to do doing this like I, there's nothing that i'm in this space that makes me passionate and i i just i didn't want to i didn't want to look back i you know you've seen the movie office space i think it's called milton he's yeah. a stapler guy like mm -hmm. i just didn't want to be that milton guy in cubicle r7-5 working there pushing papers and analyzing data for a bank the rest of my life and so um i took a long hard look at what i was really passionate about and what i loved doing and photography was in that space 
among, among other things. And so I just sort of dove headlong. I did my nine to five. I would come home and I would t- take photographs of anyone and everyone, like any of my friends. I was on a softball team and a soccer team. I'm like literally harassing them to let me take their photographs of their families, of their kids, whatever it was, just so I could learn the craft. Um, yeah. and, and before long I had, I'd gotten my skill up to a level where I felt confident that I could actually start charging clients for it without, you know, any liability around that. And before you knew it, I just, I quit my job in 2010. Um, I had actually, I had actually been laid off a couple of times and it was on the second layoff when I was like, I'm just a number in this, in this paradigm, like literally a number and no shits about me. And I'm just not going to let my life go out and go down that way. And so I just started my own business and that's where we are now. That's great. That is great. You know, it's you and I share that in common, just the whole idea of, and I think it was around 2010. You know, that I had a similar epiphany after being laid off from Adobe, right? It was, you know, you're licking your wounds and, hey, I thought I was the corporate guy. I was going to be here for 20 years. And then suddenly they're like, no, yeah, you and 800 other people are, you know, sayonara. And so it makes you examine your self-worth. And I think I went through a similar exercise that you went through in terms of just, you know, okay, what's the ideal version of me? You know, because clearly... I don't like this crap that I had to just deal with. And let me rebuild the infrastructure that is my life so that that can't happen again. It turned out that infrastructure rebuild was, you know, being an entrepreneur. And you remember five hour work week in the Tim Ferriss stuff. Yeah, yeah. I read that and like 20 other books like that, you know, that give you that, that energy to do it. Yeah, this is that's that's really interesting. So now the the fusion photography, you're you're in uh, North Carolina, right? So Charlottesville, North Carolina. How like how is running a photography business in 2022 different than it was, say, in I don't know, 2019-ish, you know, the pandemic notwithstanding, but are there differences in what people want and what you're providing and you as a as a speaker like what's different what's changed over the past two or three years yeah before i answer that can i go backwards for a second i remember um this was sort of pre me getting laid off for the second time there was a guy who used to work next to me uh his name was bob and we were we were kind of good mates at work uh and i remember he got laid off before i did and it was like three or four days later they came in and they were changing his office and they were like taking his name off the door (laughs) and and they just they put up some like some random name up on the door and they then about an hour later, another employee that replaced him took his position. And the dude was like 12 years old. First of all, I was like, (laughs) Bob was an experienced engineer, man. Like he had some serious mind going on. And this Uh dude literally looked like he was just fresh out of college. And the name that they had put on his, on his cubicle was like, let's just say Jared, but his real name was like Mike. And I just remember thinking like, they don't give two fucks about anything it's just like just replace it you're just a number and so sorry i don't mean to be negative but yeah that was my that was my writing on the wall if you will i was just like i'm done with this yeah Um, yeah yeah so i mean but it's true i mean just like we're talking about the the changes between 2019 and today in terms of how your business is running even back then it's it's a it's for me i don't know if you agree but it's a constant evolution of things like you didn't draw a straight line from when you were a 12 year old kid to where you are today right it's a a meandering tacking sailing path that that gets you there and each in each one of those changes in direction tax you add something to it like me and getting laid off and then doing this and doing that and now here we are and where i am 
in two years from now may be completely different, right? Sure, or yeah. it'll be a similar theme, obviously, because you don't, you know, control, alt, delete your life every couple of years. But, you know, I may have evolved into something different. You feel the same way? Like you're in a constant yeah. state of evolution? You might be surprised, actually, in two years. Don't discount that. You could completely change everything, given the state of of, of what's going on in the economy and globally yeah. right now. I mean, who knows where we'll be in two years? Yeah. We certainly wouldn't have known three years ago that we'd be having the conversation of what's happened the last three years. So the, t- the takeaway yeah. for that is whatever it is you're doing, you know, like time is time is precious. So mm-hmm. don't spend time doing shit that is, that does not make you happy. At yeah. some point you have to be able to say like what I'm doing is making a difference and makes me happy deep inside. Like it makes me smile. So um, t- to answer your question, I started seeing a shift ra- right around 2016, actually. Um, and I'm not calling myself a prophet, but I started seeing a shift in the way my client at the time perceived photography. And really, the only thing that I could put my finger on the pulse of, of why that shift was occurring was because of this little guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the I phone. think that, yeah, the, the, the cell phone, the ubiquitous cell phone capacity that started really germinating around 2016 with social media. Mm-hmm. And I started noticing that people's appreciation for, for photography was becoming a bit desensitized because everyone was taking photographs and everyone good photos. Ha- yeah. And, and these things are so smart that they take really good photos. And if you have half a lick of, of skill and understand light a little bit and composition, dude, you could take some pretty damn good photos with these phones, right? Yep. yep. That doesn't mean that everybody is that you could if you learned how to do it properly. But more importantly, I started seeing that there was a desensitization going on around the value of photography. And I'm sort of a high-end photographer, if you will. You know, I'm a lot more expensive than the average person. I've been doing this for a while. My work speaks for itself. I'm not saying that to be vain. It's just, I'm, so my pricing was considerably higher than like, yeah. And my pricing is considerably higher than than most people in my market, at least 95% of the people in my market of other photographers. So I started seeing a shift that people really weren't valuing photography in the same way that they had valued it before. And so I started exploring different ways of how I could have longevity in my brand and started looking at not just, I call human-centered photography, and then I have what's called brand photography now in 2023, um, 2022, Mm -hmm. 23. And I started making that shift in 16 to start offering more services that were centered around business and branding and content for companies and corporations and entrepreneurs and individuals as opposed to just focusing on just weddings because mm-hmm. I started seeing that, ha- seeing that going on. So um, was that, and- Diva, was that shift, was that shift uh, driven by some sort of internal desire to branch out into that creatively, or was it strictly, you know, I can, I can, you know, charge 20 grand versus charging these people 15 grand, whatever, you know, what was, what was the math behind that decision? I think it was, that's a great question. I think it was a perfect storm. It was a shift in my observations around what I've seen in, in pricing and, and the number of photographers that were coming online, especially after 2008 and a lot of people got laid off. Everyone yeah. suddenly overnight became a photographer and, and that continued. And that still continues to this day because the technology is so available, right? You can just basically hold the shutter button down and take a pretty damn good photo. And because, because the 
customer is not necessarily aware of the craft of what goes into running a su- successful business. All they really care about is the bottom line. Mm-hmm. The high-end photographers were really forced to reevaluate what their business model looked like. And I was in that space. And so it was what we just talked about. Um, but more importantly, my true passion is running a business and branding and marketing. Like I'm really, I'm very highly creative. And mm-hmm. the things that really make me tick is helping other people find their, their star seed or their superpower and, and finding their value. And so I started doing a lot of lectures and workshops with other photographers and noticed that my, my skill set was in helping other photographers and other business owners. And so I started really focusing in that branding and strategy space with my partner but around 2018. We really dove headlong into it. Yeah. It's interesting because you, you talk about the, the, that shift of public kind of mind share around cell phones and the legitimacy, the quality of images out of those. I remember back in the day when cell phone, you remember back in Palm Trio days and, yeah. and the sidekick and the razor and all those things, they all had cameras on them, but they were crap cameras. Right. And I used to say they're, they're basically redacting a whole timeline of photos because people are going out and leaving their proper camera at home because they have one in this phone. Then they take a picture and they don't really have a picture. I mean, yeah, they, have, yeah. they had, you know, some garbage there. But then I think, you know, first impressions are lasting impressions. So a lot of people were like, you know, cell phone photography and video is always going to be crap no matter what. Fast forward to today or like in the era where you're talking about the 16 and beyond when cell phones and social media and Apple started really leaning into this computational photography and all that. Suddenly you look up and, oh, the point and shoot camera market is gone. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That billion dollar market has dried. Where did all those people go? Oh, they're in my front pocket, right? In my, my iPhone. Yeah. So is that changing you though? Like, are you, you're high end on the one hand doing a high end, you know, double comma jobs, but then on the other side, you recognize that iPhones are, we're on 14 now, the 14 pro max is, you know, and I'm sure Android has the equivalent, but these, these images are amazing. Like, are you, are you seeing yourself move from, from traditional mirrorless or DSLR potentially doing some clients as mobile? Oh, absolutely not. Never. No, no. Um, what, what I do is an art. And what I, what I did is I, I shifted my, I shifted my marketing and my, my advertising and my ideal avatar around and how I marketed to them. Yeah. So um, there's always going to be people that value what we offer as photographers. It will always exist. They're just a little bit harder to find and they're they're You have to learn how to speak specifically to them. Because most people don't buy your photography anymore. For it, it, People in my market aren't buying photography per se. They're buying the personality and the experience behind it. Hand you something and that you'll take care of them without them having to get terribly involved in anything. It's like yeah. I go get my car cleaned once or twice a month. And I spend a decent amount of money on doing it because I don't really want to sit on my hands and knees vacuuming underneath my seats because my children are slobs and put you know crackers on the floor. So um, it's, it's a decent analogy, right? I just want to trust someone else to take care of that. And I don't mind spending money for that. So yeah. it's our job as photographers and, and brand creators and storytellers to be able to craft our own value and what it is that we offer to the world so that people hear that and it resonates with them and they're more inclined to spend the money that you are trying to charge for the, for the services that you offer. Brilliantly said. Yeah, that's a, 
Yeah. You and I are kindred spirits in marketing. Cause I love that stuff too. You know, I love, I love You mentioned several keywords. I heard you mention avatar. The one word you haven't said yet is funnel, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll get to that. I got a new funnel coming that. out. <laughs> See, I knew it. I didn't want to go total nerd on your audience yet. <laughs> it's like Thor. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No. Uh, yeah. There's, I don't know. There, there, when you look at pricing, you know, not to go down, we could, we could do a whole separate podcast on pricing and marketing and all that stuff. But when you look at it, what you said really resonates because people, generally people that are new to the space think more is better, right? If I could just book up a wedding or two weddings a weekend and do this and okay, I got to figure out what to charge. Okay. Let me look at everybody in my area. I'm going to mm. charge less than the lowest price guy so that I could fill up my, you know, so it's a race to the bottom at that point. But that what they don't know, what you were alluding to is the, the whole price perception thing. And as we know, when people pay more money for something, that level of client is just a better client, right? Cause they're, they're less likely to complain. They're hiring you because they know you're a known quantity and they're not going to micromanage or say, Hey, could I get an extra, what, you know, could you throw in an extra eight by 10? You know, there's not going to be any of that stuff. It's going to be how much do you cost? They're not going to blink. You're going to get paid on time and boom versus trying to corral a bunch of people in that's going to fill up your phone with questions and complaints and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So you, you hit on the head. So you're playing in that far high end level, right? I, I try to play in that space every day because it, it's it's a better client, it's a less headache, and the volume, the numbers, the, the numbers game just doesn't add up. What you were describing yeah. earlier, which is I'm trying to I'm going to try to get two weddings every weekend and book as many people as I can. That's like just a fast track to burnout. Yeah. And and I and I know because I played in that space early in my career. I was the same as I was that person early in my career. The first five years, I was like, I'll do dogs, I'll do feet, I'll do hand mo- I'll do <laughs> a renaissance. Yeah, I will do whatever the you want just give me the money and, and and you know i was like flying all over the place doing jobs everywhere and burnout was was a, a real thing but more importantly what happened is i sort of lost my identity as a photographer and an artist and what it was that i really wanted to do and yeah. what i really want to do is tell people stories and what i really want to do is connect with people and what i really want to do is sort of be like your lifetime photographer and what i really want to do is be in that space so that i'm helping not only help helping my clients with their photography, but helping companies with their brand. And when you're doing all these different things, you lose focus of the eye on the prize. Like what, what, what's the ultimate goal here? And the ultimate goal here is to create a life of freedom for ourselves, a life of monetary value so that we can afford ourselves to do the things that we want to do, but also provide the level of service that we want to give our clients. Because if we're burnt out, then who suffers? The people who are trusting to pay us. And if they're not able to pay us because we suck, then we don't have a job. So it's sort of That's like right. that self-perpetuating machine. Yeah. Like they tell you on the aircraft, you know, you have to, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you assist others. So you got to yeah. shore up your, you know, you know, I'm, I'm being a complete hypocrite because a lot of ways I don't do that, right? I I make sure others are good and then, okay, whatever's left over, you know, I get to make, you know, weave straw from gold or gold from straw from the leftovers, right? I'm learning to be more, okay, put my oxygen mask on first and then attend to others both creatively and otherwise. So how, how did you get there? How do you get to the point where, you know, you're like, okay, me, not, not selfishly. So, but you're just like focused that this is what I'm doing and nothing's going to get in the way. Honestly, experience. Yeah. Surrounding myself with good people who are in a space of, of greater success than me. 
Um, I have a really, uh, I have a really talented partner who has taught me a lot over the last few years alone um, and sort of wearing myself thin. And, and I have a tendency like you, Frederick, to sort of give all the time. And it's just sort of the nature of who we are. Like I'm in business to see the the tears that my, you know, I just got a message from a client now that just came through and she's like, I literally can't stop crying. And I know that's my ego talking, but I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's what and, you want, so, right? That's not your like, ego. Those are the moments. That's, that's those are the moments. Yeah, I guess it is. And I guess you're right. But it is sort of ego in a way because, you know, I like I like people to say nice things about me and write nice reviews. But in the end, I got into photography and into the archival business, the storytelling archiving business that I'm in, because I love seeing the the satisfaction. I love seeing the tears. I love seeing the moments that I freeze for people and create this sort of persona of who they are, but can't see see themselves right we can't yeah. see our own reflection sometimes all we see is like the ugly battle scars under our eyes like but somebody else takes a photograph of you and you show it to them they're like that doesn't even look like me and so mm-hmm. for me to be in the in the space to be able to do that for people that's why i got into it but um for me really uh, it, it wasn't a it wasn't an epiphany it was a slow burn um i i've surrounded myself with really to answer your question i've surrounded myself with really credible people um, mentors i've hired a business coach i have a couple of business, business coaches um, my partner is incredibly in talented and so being able to watch other photographers do their craft has helped me and then just really age old experience and just constantly constantly being open to learning and criticism like where where am i not ex- selling and where am I not providing the value that it should be and being introspective and self-aware enough to be able to call yourself on it. I love that. I love that. You know, you mentioned, you mentioned we like, we were kind of saying it flippantly, but you know, I'll shoot that. I'll shoot dogs. I'll shoot babies. I'll shoot weddings. I'll shoot landscapes, whatever, you know, and I think a lot of photographers do that. It's probably healthy at the beginning. Right. So you can find what the thing is that you resonate with. Like my mom used to tell us, uh, I have two brothers. She used to tell us, yeah, you really should date a lot. Right. Because you want to find out what you like and what you don't like. (laughs) Same for photography. Um, But, you know, my question from a photography standpoint is specialization. Should photographers specialize? Like, should should you be endeavor to be just known for this one genre and this style within that genre of photography? Whenever someone sees your work, your face should pop up in their head. Or should you be the Renaissance generalist where somebody can call you up and you could, it's all light F-stops and shutter speeds, right? So you could go shoot a mountain and do some shots at Yosemite and then turn around and go do some portraiture. And then the next day do some whatever, you know, a wedding or whatever. Should you specialize or should you diversify? I think that you should do a hybrid. And But I also think that this answer is relative depending upon the person that you're talking about. Because not everybody can do the same level of tasks with proficiency and effectiveness as the next person, right? So yeah. you might be you might be able to multitask considerably better than I could. You might be able to handle boudoir photography, wedding photography, and branding photography because you're just better than me and more talented than me. And that's let's just call a spade a spade. Like there are people who are more talented than others. I would say to look at yourself, find out what you're really, really passionate about. What do you mm-hmm. really love doing? If, if there are 20 different types of modalities of photography, what are the ones you really enjoy the most? And how can you dive into those if you really want to specialize in something, but you don't want to be niched down into one item? How can you pick a few of those things that you're really passionate about and excel at a few as opposed to excelling at trying to excel at everything? Because I think it's okay to have more than one expertise, right? Like 
you're not just you're not just a, a you're not just a one instrument instrument man like you might be able to play a couple of different instruments and you enjoy doing that so why would you limit yourself but what i would say is on the other side of that come up with a juxtaposition of who you are as a photographer or a business owner. And you can offer these other services, but be very, very clear on what you do when you offer the services that you do. So I don't sell photography. I sell experiences. That's my juxtaposition. And anybody who comes in my door speaks with me knows that they're not just going to get great photography because I can do photography in a bunch of different areas, but what they are going to get every single time is an experience with me. And, and, when I, and I literally mean that because we focus on custom crafted experiences for our clients. And so yeah. I've chosen to stay in the wedding, branding, headshot, and sort of boudoir business. That's my area. And I just offer, I offer those as services but each one offers like an experience within itself. And so that's what I would do. I love that. I, that, I love that. I don't know if that makes, does that make sense? Yeah, you know, it absolutely does. It's like, kind of like, um, yeah, I like the analogy of instruments, right? Because sure, yeah, I mean, there's like Prince, for example, he played a ton of interest, instruments. He's still a musician, still had a signature style. And, you know, you could, you, you could tell a Prince track yeah. whenever you heard it right his signature but on his early stuff he was doing all the instruments right he was laying all the tracks and doing the vocals and the piano all that stuff he did all the whole thing by himself um and no one knew until later right yeah. you're like oh my god this guy is really really talented beyond what i thought same thing goes for this art form right for photography you could i think in the case of prince he was most known as a singer slash guitarist I think, right? And the analog in photography, you could be known as the, you know, I, I specialize in a, in a distinctive kind of headshot or shot or something like that. And that's, that's what you know me for. But hey, look at all these other things in my house. If you come visit, go look at my walls. They're covered with different genres of photography that I am highly capable in, but I don't necessarily hang my hat on there as that's, that's my thing. It's this headshot stuff that is what I market against, what I build my marketing avatars to, my copy gets written towards that genre, all that stuff. So, all right, before we continue, I want to, I want to end this on the storytelling stuff. Before we continue, there's a formula on your t-shirt there. And the people that are, people that are watching this video are probably screenshotting it and Googling it right now to figure out what it is. What is that formula? It, it's coffee, actually. Oh, is that coffee? Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. Which, which okay. is ironic because I gave up coffee about six months ago and don't drink it anymore, but I just love the shirt. <laughs> it's that per perfect fit. Makes my arms look a little bit muscular, but cuts the stomach in real nicely. <laughs> You know, we black. all have a couple I always of those. Have black on. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah, we all we all have a couple of those shirts and just wear it out and buy it again, right? That's right. <laughs> well, let's talk about before we wrap this up. Let's talk about the storytelling stuff uh, part of this. Um, there's uh, yeah, hours and hours of discussion that we could have around storytelling and photography. From where is it? You know, should should everything you shoot have a story in it somehow can some things just be for the sake of taking those photos on on the side of the work that you're doing out there building a narrative for your clients and then branding it as storytelling is that the right thing to do you know for people to aspire to aim that way if they want to do this genre of photography let's talk about that so so storytelling Let's start from the basics, right? The beginner, the beginner photographer that's just figuring out which camera they want. You know, these lenses, you know, they're all expensive. I got to buy my first couple of lenses and I'm going to go out and shoot and do all the things. How does that person integrate creativity into what they're doing when they're first learning? Or does the, or does the, 
not creativity, but storytelling, or does the, the storytelling come later? Right. So just get it down, get your F-stop shutter speeds, ISO, understand bokeh and, you know, dragging the shutter and freezing things with fast shutter speed. You understand all the basic things that we already know. And then once you have those tools, you start introducing story into your work. Or should it be valued just like understanding what F-stops and shutter speeds are at the beginning of your journey? What do you think? Well, I think it's inherently fundamental that it's part of the process regardless. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just different degrees of good or, or better at how you tell the story. I, I would suggest that if you're a new photographer, that you learn how to operate the camera in, in the manual positions that it offers and don't yeah. just rely on auto. I've never shot a camera in auto speed. I learned early on, I had a photographer that I did a mentorship with or apprenticeship that taught me how to use my camera. And he's like, if there's one thing you do in any in this industry is learn how to shoot your camera in the dark. And because, I mean, he, that was a metaphor, but he was literal. Like I was just shooting a, an engagement candid marriage proposal two nights ago, and it was a completely candlelit room in a hotel room with zero ambient light. And I had to force myself to figure out how to adjust on the fly and all those different things. And I can do that in my sleep. So yeah. I would suggest that if you're a new photographer and you really want to excel in your craft, learn how your camera works and be able to do it in the dark. Because if you can learn to manipulate light you're going to learn to become a great photographer. And that's the fundamental aspect of all photography is understanding how light works and, and how your camera plays with it. So I would start with there. As it pertains to a story, humanity was founded on, on storytelling. We used to sit yeah. around campfires and talk about yeah. our kills that we made today or warring tribes would pass through your 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 territory and in order that fights wouldn't break out they would they would sit around and trade goulash and around a campfire and tell stories like that's literally the cornerstone of humanity it's how we learn to connect and talk and create photography or videography or everything we do it's an archival of of storytelling so we're taking other people's memories that they're creating and we're capturing those for them, preserving those stories for them and letting them have them for posterity. So everything we do should be about a story. And, and, and those stories can be subtle and those stories can be complex. It really depends upon the derivative of the type of photography you're doing. I, I would suggest that when you meet with people and you're taking their photograph, don't be so focused on creating that magnanimous, perfect photograph. I would start with connecting with the client first and understanding what they want out of the session and being very clear on connecting with them on a, on a level that creates trust and intimacy and a bond so that they're more inclined to be who they really are, as opposed to being shy in front of a camera, which you find most people are. No one really wants yeah. their photograph taken. My clients love having their photograph taken after about 10 minutes with me because I don't really do photography the first 10 minutes. I, I fuck around. I joke. I, got, I was in a leaf fight with some families the other night before we even picked up the camera. Like <laughs> I want people to sort of feel that I'm human just like they are and that they can trust me. And I want them to feel confident in me that what I'm going to ask them to do, which is hang upside down on a tree for a family photo, they're like, okay, it's just Devo. He's asking for it. So the, those stories are told by the trust and rapport that we build with our clients. And that happens from the first phone call to the very first email all the way through the process. And in that entire space, you're telling a story. So you always have to have your eye on that space. Like, how do I tell your story so that when you see your photographs, not only does it have an everlasting capacity to it, but you can see something in yourself that you might not have seen before. And that's storytelling yeah. and, a, and, a and the crux of it all. That's perfect. Yeah. And, and, you know, looking at it through the lens of uh, 
you know, weddings or family photos or engagement shoots. It's one thing, but what about boudoir type photography? Does the storytelling idea, does that thread weave its way through your boudoir for your boudoir work as well? Yeah, because I don't do traditional boudoir. Um, in fact, I don't even call it boudoir. Um, it's intimate storytelling is what we call it. And, oh, interesting. And yeah. And I craft scenarios for all of my clients. So mine is more of like being on a theater set with me and we pick out the outfits ahead of time and we create a storyline i just did a candid marriage proposal um i'm sorry a boudoir session for a couple and we created this whole storyline centered around how they dated and how they first met which was at a really high-end uh, whiskey bar so we actually had them go get ready on two separate um, hotels and then he went and picked her up for the date I'm tagging along in the backseat like the creepy stalker. We went to the whiskey bar and I'm and, and I, I arranged all this in advance. Like so the whiskey bar knew I was coming, but the whole session was their story of how they met. And then we went to a parking deck and then we went back to the hotel and and you know the lights went out and the cameras went on. It was just like and their entire session, it's not standing over here posing. It's a it's a series of events that unfolded in the story of how they met. And in that space. I'm sort of behind the scenes coaching them and asking them to do things or kiss things here, take a bra off here, that sort of stuff. But it's still, and when you see their stories, like you can see the chronology of everything that went on and then they get to relive that for the rest of their lives together. Yeah. So yeah, everything is, everything's a story, literally everything. I think, I think that's really important work. You know, there's, there's a, there's, there's a, I don't want to, what's the word I'm looking for? Controversy or whatever, you know, around anything that has to do anything with seductive or nudity or anything like that in, in our, in the photographic world, right? Um, I look at, at what you're doing, like boudoir or how you're marketing it as it's important work because it is recording people at what could probably be their best right at that point in time they're never gonna look even the next day they're not gonna look like that and if something happens god forbid you know then they may never look like that again but you're you're doing a visual record of this person and with the height of their energy right you're capturing that and then presenting it back to them in this flawless i'm guessing a, a, you know knowing you for the short time that i've known you i'm guessing the presentation is very amazing right when they come and pick up their photos or they get the pack i'm sure it's an apple like experience right yeah so, it's wine it's wine and charcuterie plate with you know all the all the bells and whistles in between so absolutely that's awesome um, that i think your awesome. point is a good point i would i'd like to add one one more point to that yeah no, you know no matter what your age or or how you look you're physically how you look you know and you're in your prime or not in your prime because i photographed 60 year old you know women and the underlying theme of what we do is not coming at it from just my perspective, but understanding what the client wants out of this and meeting them in the middle with your art and their vision and your vision and creating that for them. Because no matter how old you are or how unfit you are, or how fit you might be, at the end of the day, everybody still wants to sort of feel special. And yeah. our photography, our work enables that for them to sort of feel special for that brief moment in time. And so our job is to create an experience or a scenario and photography and video so that they have something to hold on to. But more importantly, in their heart, they have that experience that they went through with you. And what that does, interestingly enough, is they become your raving fans. And those are the people that promote you to their friends and to their family and to anyone else that they encounter. Because if you had a brilliant experience with me and you got brilliant photography about it, and then you hear your friends talking about, hey, I just got engaged and looking, dude, I know this one cat Devo, like this is what he does. Yeah. And, and, and 50 to 60% of my business comes from organic leads like that. 
And it's yeah. because I don't focus on, I don't focus on building a portfolio. I don't focus on, you know, capturing just one really good photo. I, I focus on, on connecting with my clients and building something for them that, that is sort of like a lasting legacy in their hearts. I know what you're doing here, Devo. I know what you're doing. You're Get building your the boudoir. <laughs> no, you're building the Devo cinematic universe over there. That's what you <laughs> It's not called meta. <laughs> no. I love it. That's cool. You know, that, I say that tongue in cheek, but I think it's true. A lot of photographers and people I talk to kind of look at this like what this one photographer, Steve Richard, he's up in uh, up in Canada, Newfoundland, I think. And um, and he was telling me during our interview that he he operates under a personal dogma right so you know dogma is a set of beliefs that you adhere to yada 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 right so he applies his personal dogma to his work like things that would you know other photographers would be like you're insane like I'm not going to retouch any of my photographs. I'm going to meticulously light them to get the light that I want. If I see a bump, I'm going to light the other side of that bump to make it go away. You know, he's that level. And his work is just ridiculous. And even the themes of his work are mythology uh, mythology, and kind of, you know, that oh, wow. Greek, you know, and there's a lot of nudity in there, but it's it's almost, it's painterly type stuff, right? Oh, wow. It's it's really, really amazing. And once you know his story, that gives the weight, the work even more weight because you know the work that he went through and the constraints that he puts on himself in order to get that level of work that's beyond anyone that has, you know, the creative suite and this and that and can do all the things, you know, sky replacement, et cetera. We can do all the things. And he's like, nope, I'm not doing any of that. I'm going to shoot and... And that's it. And he's even he's even in that camp of doing uh, like limited edition type work where I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to do this shot and I'm only going to make 10 prints of it. And then I'm going to destroy the digital file and do all the things kind of like the original NFT. Right. Mm. <laughs> and then hand that out. So, yeah. What's, it, what's his name? Steve Richard. It's like Richard, but pronounced Richard. I'm going to check him out. That's next level stuff. I heard one thing that I really picked up on there um, for me. It, it sounds like what he's doing is I try to get it right in camera the first time so mm -hmm. that my post-production is limited. I don't want my photography to be overly edited either. I want it to sort of look like it's real original state. And I actually don't edit my photographs very often and like, or very deeply. Um, I'll, I'll take out imperfections and, and make them have more of an artistic edge, but I don't overly edit my photos on purpose because it just seems unreal to me. Yeah. So cool. So much to talk about. We got to do another interview, man. This has I'd been fantastic. <laughs> we, are we at are we already out of time already? Yeah, yeah, no, but it's all good. Um, yeah, I want to do it. We have to do another review. I want to do one where we focus on probably two more interviews because we have to focus on just sort of the marketing side of the house. And I want to dive deeper into this whole creativity thing and get in there. So much, so much to talk about. Um, the if if people want to connect with you and see some of the talks that you've given or you know, engage with you from a client perspective, what's the, what's the best place for them to go online? On the gram, find me on Instagram, Fusion Photog, F-U-S-I-O-N Photog for short for photography. That's the best way to awesome. find me. Awesome. And, and, then, and, and, and then in my profile link, there's all sorts of um, links for different things, keynotes and downloads and all sorts of good stuff. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, definitely dive in there. That's that's so interesting. See, that's a whole nother conversation we could have about Instagram and the state of things with Instagram and Twitter and Meta and Facebook and and how how does it, how do those shifts fundamentally affect photographers, new and established, right? So oh, yeah. and models, right? So 
this is my shameless plug. You can actually download a, a smaller condensed version of one of my keynotes on how to have a healthy relationship with social media on my Instagram. I need that. <laughs> yeah. So go, go to my gram and then go into my profile link. And there's a, there's like a 10 minute video that I created, which is a condensed version of my keynotes on how to have a healthy relationship with social media. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. I'll download that and I'll link to it in the notes. Uh, for oh, this brilliant, episode. brilliant, brilliant. Very good. All right, sir. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. As we record this, it's November 8th, which is election day in the United States. So oh, if you're, if yeah, if you're voting, get out there and do it, you know, if not, then whatever. So, <laughs> so it's all good. It's all a good. Lot of we'll a lot of, lot of changes on the horizon, aren't there? Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah, starting tonight, I think. Very good. I yeah, really appreciate enough. the time. Thank you for the, for the interview. It's been great. Absolutely, man. Anytime. You're welcome in these parts anytime. Cool. All right. We'll leave it right there. Devil Tindo, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next episode. <laughs> All right, Frederick. This is Twitter.